Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. Welcome to Paid in Puke. This season we're discussing every episode of Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story Impeachment miniseries. Impeachment stars Sarah Paulson and Beanie Feldstein. I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Christina Barr. I'm Annie Malone. And today we're discussing episode four, The Telephone Hour, written by Flora Birnbaum and directed by, I hope I don't say this badly, Laurie de Clermont-Tonnerre. Oh. <laughs> I was told you were working on placing me back here. Placing you in the White House? Who told you that? He did. Why won't he see me? Has he said anything about my job? She thinks they're in love. Someone needs to end this. It's your chance to expose Clinton for what he really is. Of course you need proof. Monica. Hi. It originally aired September 28th, 2021. And the title is a reference to Bye Bye Birdie. (laughs) The gossipy song in Bye Bye Birdie. The telephone hour where they're all calling each other. it because I was really noticing how middle school drama basically this whole thing was at this point. Yeah. It's crazy to see grown women behaving like this. Right. <laughs> right. Especially when they're when she first starts recording. She says, so when was the last time we saw you? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this. Miss Amanda. Who do you miss? Pill. Who else? I mean, this is the man who called me back to back nights who literally had me come see him on his fucking wedding anniversary and now Weeks of nothing? Total silence? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to think. Remind me, when was the last time you two were together? Linda, you know this. Well, I know, but I don't remember the exact date. It was when he gave me the Annie Lennox CD, which, I mean, just to say it, that's completely a make-out album. Like, it's not even subtle. Was was this when he was on crutches? What? No, that was back in March, remember? Because I was surprised he could barely even walk, but he grabbed me and kissed me the moment we were alone. Then what happened? Um, I fooled around. But you know I'll talk about it anytime. It doesn't take much to twist my arm and have me talk about Bill at length and go over things over and over again. I feel so bad for Monica. I mean, I always feel bad for Monica, but like especially this episode, she's just such a pawn. Yes, this is a bummer. Where you can see that she really just felt like she was talking to a friend and confiding in a friend and leaning on a friend. Yeah. That was not the case. 
Heather, why can't you just be a friend? Why are you such a mega bitch? Was Linda really the only person she was talking to at this point? That's what I kept thinking the whole episode was like, I can't believe Linda Tripp is the person she goes to in her time of need, mm -hmm. you know? And her first woman. call. <laughs> her first call is to... Linda Tripp. Yeah, yikes. Right? <laughs> that's, uh, that's a bad time. That's, <laughs> my first call was to Linda Tripp, period. Right. <laughs> that was a really bad time for me. It's interesting to just think, like, the way phones have changed have changed the dynamics of things. You had to call people to communicate with them. I'm sure they were talking for, like, hours. Whereas today, it's like, you don't have to have a first person. It's like, you could text everybody. <laughs> that's you know, true. You could have multiple conversations going on at once and hopefully be getting some... Hopefully someone in there is an actual friend and not, like, hosing you secretly or, like, yeah. get some good advice. And that was just something that I was thinking about watching this. It's just, like, so weird, like, how a change in technology can affect relationships or dynamics, you know? That <laughs> yeah, like... absolutely. Like, basically, Linda was the only person getting this information because... Mm -hmm. You could only communicate with one person at a time. Right. So she was being held hostage by by Linda in a way. Right. Although the flip side of it is nowadays, like, so many more people could easily have documentation of whatever you're sharing with them, you know, that it's like... And pass it on really like, easily, too. Yeah, like, Linda right. had to go to some trouble to make recordings of these phone calls, but now it's like, if you send a text to someone, yeah. that's a paper trail, you know? You just like, assume, like, literally anybody could see that text at any time. Right, right, <laughs> right. People actually have to sit there and listen to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Now you could screen cap their DMs or whatever and post them. And it's just like, wow, it's really scary. <laughs> like how information <laughs> right. just spreads. Like you sort of can't not leave a trail. Yeah, it's it'd be active work. You'd have to be like, let's meet up at this coffee shop. Right, or let's talk on the phone. Ironically. <laughs> I don't know. Like, the landline is the safest way to talk to somebody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a person could still record it, but that would, like, be going to some trouble where someone sends you a text that's like, there, you have it, you know? Yeah. Like, you weren't trying to have documented evidence of whatever they're telling you, but you have it. Yeah, it's out there forever. It's on a server somewhere. Right. Like, they don't even need to get into your phone anymore. <laughs> like, they don't need your phone. They just have all that information. Right. And it does make it easier to solve murder cases and stuff, but at the same time, it's like, that's a lot of power. Whoa. It's like for many, many years, my friend Laura and I, like whenever we text something like, you know, just joking about mm -hmm. stuff, we're like, hi, paralegal. Like, it's like, yeah. You know, someday, if something happens to someone, there's going to be a paralegal reading through our text. What a great job that will be. Right? <laughs> so totally. Like, say hi to the that would be fun for them, I think. Whoever I, it is, they're I, like, these two. So. <laughs> these two are my favorite. <laughs> It's important to be the lawyer's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like the episode where it goes like from, okay, I'm not just going to talk to Monica to like get gossip. She manipulates the plan of like, Clinton needs to get you another job. You need to take advantage of this. Maybe Bill's friend Vernon Jordan can help. He's constantly doing favors for everyone in the inner circle. A phone call from Bill could get you a great gig. This is like where the actual grounds for impeachment 
start. Like the seeds yeah. get planted. She's orchestrating by it. Linda Tripp. Absolutely, <laughs> she is such a little mastermind, but like such a horrible one. It's kind of clever in a way, but it's also because she's such a terrible person. Yeah, you're like I hate this. Right. He's the chief executive. She's a kid barely out of school who lost her position in the White House. Oh, a girl moved offices. Forgive me. It's Iran Contra all over again. There's no quid pro quo. She's like, okay, I'll get you a quid pro quo. (laughs) I can get you a toe. Oh, yeah, she tells Monica there's a black mark on her name, and she's never going to get a job in D.C., basically. She starts that after Monica's like, you're never going to get a job in the West Wing. The White House disposed of me like a piece of trash. And they will do the same to you, Monica. I don't think so. Trust me, I wasn't welcome back and you won't be. She says Linda, no one wanted you back. I'm sorry. That's not what I... That came out wrong, Linda. It seems like that's really what sets her off. Like, what makes her determined to bring this out is that exchange in the kitchen when Monica's like, no one wants you, basically. (laughs) She's like, oh, really? And then, like, that scene where she's meeting with somebody at the White House, and she's, like, really hopeful, meeting with this woman who... The scene is so brutal. She went to high school with Clinton, and she's acting like she doesn't know what happened. I know. She did not make that conversation easy for her. Oh, it was so (laughs) But then she obviously did. She was totally, like, a power play conversation. Because she's like, oh, who are you again? Oh, I remember you. Oh, really? What made you remember who I am? Right. (laughs) Just in the middle of this conversation, you remember it? Remind me, where are you now? To the Pentagon. Uh, Public affairs. I'm the confidential assistant to Ken Bacon, but before that, I was here. Why did you transfer out? Um, it wasn't really my decision. Whose decision was it? Evelyn Lieberman made that arrangement. Right. I spoke to Evelyn about you. Oh, so you, you did speak to someone? She may run down of your departure. Yeah, she makes her She's like, go through that. She's being so horrible. Yeah. And that's like before Linda says, oh, Monica will be fine because she's from a privileged background. We don't need to protect her. She's resilient. She'll be resilient. Of course, you do realize once they get their grubby little hands on this girl, the press will destroy her. It's a tabloid moment, then she'll move on with her life. I don't know. You should see what the Kentons do to its women. As soon as the name gets out, they make sure she's chopped alive. I mean, Flowers Jones, they... Make a few calls, arrange a few leaks, and suddenly, a nice girl from Bible school is the whore of Babylon. Sure, they can do that to cocktail waitresses or trailer people, but Monica is different. She's from Beverly Hills. Very privileged upbringing. I mean, she she told me when all this began, she knew what she was getting into. She's no victim. She'll be fine. Like, the press will not be hard on her because she's not, like, a stripper or a trailer <laughs> park person, you know, like, uh, Yeah, she did, she, did she say trailer uh, park person? I, I she don't said some she phrase said. that was, like, wow. <laughs> I don't feel like she said trailer trash, so, which I feel like... So classic. Person. Cocktail waitresses or trailer people. It was very that. othering. It was, like, even more othering than saying trailer trash. Yeah. The most amazing thing about this show is that a lot of the dialogue is 
pretty verbatim or really accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I assume all the stuff from the phone calls. All the stuff messages. from the phone calls would be direct quotes, I'm sure. And then also, apparently, Monica has a really accurate memory, like Good. especially for dialogue. She has this amazing recall. So, <laughs> like, anytime she's present in a scene, you can be pretty sure that that's exactly what was said. Although there are things that are sort of, you know, coded language, in which case it's all about the delivery and right. and the subtext, but direct quotes, so I'm sure. Yeah, that lady is so awful. <laughs> That's a rough scene. Yeah. And then Linda gets that list, the body count list. <laughs> who I do we know, think put that there? Like, who would have put that there? Do you think she would have put that herself just to... When I, they first showed it, I thought it came from Matt Drudge just because he would be a Clinton body count person, you know? Yeah. It does sound like that sort of language of, what do you call it? The internet journalists. Right. He had somebody put that there for her. <laughs> it was like a, a Word document. <laughs> it was really funny. Who left this here? Who put this here? Yeah, I'm holding up a piece of paper. <laughs> you way over there. Like, yeah, and I'm sure everyone in the office was like, oh, Linda's yelling about something again. <laughs> like, I'm supposed to know anything about this. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. Um, I mean, I have the lighting as always. No. <laughs> I, I laughed when you were like, finally, somebody turned a light on. I know, someone walks in and turns on a light. I'm like, yes, that's what you do. <laughs> you know, like, like, Linda's like watching TV and her house is like pitch black in there. I'm like, come on, turn a light on. They're setting a mood. She's like, like, she's it. so sad that she's watching the news in the dark every night. And yeah, but Monica has lights. Ashing into her baked potato. <laughs> and Monica, yeah, Monica's got like the... Classy lighting that's all sconces. <laughs> Everything in her house is lit by sconce. In Tiffany lamps. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny how Linda has like a fireplace going in her bedroom. <laughs> it's always going. <laughs> that is really nice, weird. I guess. I don't know. Oh, I mean, this is not a prob per se, but how did you think a cum stain was guacamole? Oh my god. Is that so gross, right? How did that even get out there? I thought you said he never completed. Okay. Our first time together after the election, he was so excited to see me that he, you know, he finished, but I didn't even notice. I mean, no one did. I went out to dinner that night with friends. When I got back home, I changed and I uh, assumed it was guacamole. And then I realized. Are you saving it? What? No, ew, don't be disgusting. I just haven't gotten any of those clothes dry clean because I haven't needed to wear them. When sour cream is right there. <laughs> that is a prop prop. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it says that there's something very wrong with the semen that she's encountered. Yes, is that guacamole yeah. or is it cum? Because <laughs> <laughs> those look the same. <laughs> oh, God. I like the dressing because it's more the way it did happen than the way the people suggested it happened like that she had it as a trophy oh. and even what linda says is she's keeping it like a trophy when it's clearly like she's keeping it because she doesn't want to deal with it right yeah <laughs> like she put it in the corner of her closet that's not where you put trophies that just lends itself to how linda was manipulating the situation right well because also isn't it eventually linda told her not to get it dry cleaned right yeah and she didn't because it's a huge pain in the ass to dry clean things it's not that she was holding it in high steam and sniffing it or whatever she was like grossed out by it i liked all the stuff about when i say hang up 
You get me all hot and bothered thinking you're sitting on something big and then you vanish. Let me change things. When I say hang up, the whole like rigmarole oh, of yeah. having okay. a landline conversation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Picking it up in another room. When I say hang up. Yeah. <laughs> Logan and I were watching a movie and that happened and Logan was like, I do not understand how phones used to work. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it was just that thing. It was like, I'm going to go take this in the other room while you hang up. Logan was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> or the alternative that like, you don't see anymore, which is I picked it up all sneakily and was listening. You don't it's hard see. to do that without making like the sound. It is. It's very hard. Was, like, <laughs> Just si- picking it up at all is like right. clattery. But, like, what my sister used to do, and I probably did this too, in that situation when someone's like, okay, hang up for me. And then you do the like hang up, but also pick up like she right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You heard the hang up sound, right? <laughs> also, like a very funny thing about how phones used to work was because I had this friend Patty. You know, this is a million years ago, and she and her boyfriend were like just like super train wreck people, um, <laughs> and they both used to do this. Like, cause how it worked on a landline: if one person hangs up and the other person stays on, there's maybe a minute or so where if the other person picks up the phone again, like to make another phone call, you're still connected. Yeah. Um, and they both used to do that to each other, like, who are you calling? <laughs> 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 like, all right, I'm gonna go to bed and then hang up, and then it's like it picks up again. It's like they, they, it's really funny. Wow. <laughs> they were both like always catch each other, like. <laughs> Who are you calling? <laughs> can't do that anymore. No, you sure can't. My hardest problem is just when Linda starts pretending like she cares about Monica. Yeah. I hate that so much. Yeah. Because she wasn't even really pretending she cared about her at all. Even to Monica before. Before she was like, stop being a fucking idiot. Yeah, and then... Well, well the whole time she's manipulating her because she's like, first she's encouraging her to see him again and then she's like, stop being an idiot. And now she's trying to pretend to Lucianne that she's so young and impressionable. She thinks they're in love. And what do you think? She is in pain. And and she can't see her way out. I mean, someone needs to end this before anyone gets hurt. You could do a book. You really think so? Are you kidding? The head honcho breaks the presidential seal of an intern. That's six figures easy. Say goodbye to bureaucratic bullshit and you'll get to be a hero. It's your chance to expose Clinton for what he really is. What a pig that he's doing this to her when it really is all about her and how she can insert herself into the situation. Yeah, and there's a moment in the in the episode where she like snaps at Monica and like gets like yeah. Yeah. pissy so with her. Yeah. And Monica's like, why are you acting like this? She winds up apologizing to Monica, but it's only because like, okay, I need to because if she I doesn't, she can't keep doing conversation this. Conversation yeah. going, you know. And she is not a friend. She is apologizing to keep her investigation going that because she feels mm-hmm. so important. This is an important thing she's doing. Well, she says, I'm at war with the White House. And this they is don't part even of her, her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is part of her perceived battle. I didn't ask for a front row ticket to his misbehavior. I was handed one forced against my will to watch. Please, I am so close to getting my job back. If the White House is any excuse. I am at war with the White House. For 20 years, I have given everything to this system. I have been nothing but loyal, and now I'm a target. She's like, I have to play both sides, and I have to... But she, like, lets 
yeah. her true self out for a second when she's probably short-tempered because she's just eating sad potatoes every night. Yeah. She lost three pounds, and I'm sure it was really hard for her to do that. So she probably is so fucking on edge right now. <laughs> yeah, and like the, the book agent, Margot Martindale, is goading her. Like, I know you're used to administrative things, but this is your shot at the big leagues. <laughs> oh my god, what? <laughs> What a hedonist that lady is. I know. Good she, Lord. she has like the, the fountainhead poster. But she said that was her son's apartment. Oh. I'm sure the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Right, right. But she's just super always fancy like. Phone. She's got a. Yeah, and she's always sipping white wine and like silk pajamas <laughs> and smoking cigarettes. I love how she's like. And she's like, oh, you're getting made so hot for your gossip. She, <laughs> tell, yeah, she tells Michael, remember Watergate? You're welcome. Um, I didn't realize you were a spy, you kid. Back in 72, I posed as press on McGovern's plane. Remember Nixon? You're welcome. She's kind of like what Linda wants to be. Like, Linda wishes that that's what her life was like. Yeah. Just this powerful information accountant. (laughs) Who doesn't give a fuck. And, like, Linda doesn't give a fuck either, but part of her brand is pretending like she gives a fuck and that it's destroying her. (laughs) It's just her sensitivity and how much she cares about other people that is so hard for her. It's just, how can I make myself the story? Oh, wow, this woman is really (laughs) something. Yeah, it's like she wants to screw Monica over, but she wants to screw Monica over in a way that makes her look like a hero or like she's doing the American people a favor. And you can't have it both ways when you do something like that. Yeah. Next call. I have a question, which is, what is Betty and Monica's relationship? (laughs) I was a little confused by that scene. Because they've never interacted like that before. What is it? When Monica goes to see Bill, and Bill's watching G.I. Jane with Chelsea, (laughs) and cannot be disturbed. (laughs) That was really funny. But he has gifts for her, and it's like this ugly scarf. Everything he gives me is so ugly. Yeah. And then Betty's like, I'll just say one word, Arkansas. Why don't you have a seat? Catch your breath. Oh, I feel like an idiot. I told myself I wouldn't come here. He brought this back from Martha's Vineyard, and he wanted me to give these to you. All this, I just... All I asked for was a t-shirt. That's very sweet. God. Everything he gets me is so ugly. Yeah. I'll just say one word. Arkansas. Betty, why won't he see me? I just want to talk about transferring back here. It'll take five minutes if he's watching I didn't invent the rules. They apply to everyone. Okay, sorry. I'm just... I'm in a weird place right now. Has he said anything about my job? He's working on it. Okay, because Marsha hasn't helped He's doing the best he can. So they're kind of commiserating over that, but, like, I've never seen them be so familiar with each other before. But then afterwards, Monica's like, I couldn't believe I behaved that way. Well, it seems like both of them were acting a little differently than I'd ever seen. When she was saying that, I thought that was like on a phone call. Because was it Betty who she called and she was like being. No, but it was like. So right after that, she calls Linda and is saying how embarrassed she is that she even went there. Oh. She was like wet and kind of crying in the office. And she's talking about how embarrassed she was about that. I don't think that's to do with Betty, just she's 
embarrassed to be so down bad for Bill Clinton. But, like, she should mm-hmm. keep coming around if he's not calling her or whatever. But Betty was kind of acting like she was commiserating with Monica a little bit. So I, I was a little thrown by Monica being like, I was so embarrassed because it seemed like Betty... Yeah, I didn't take that as, like, I was embarrassed because Betty saw it. I just can't believe I did that, like... That was just a dynamic I'd never seen between the two of them Mm. before. I get the feeling like she really thinks Betty is nice and I don't know what episode it was, but like Betty's like, she's a good kid or whatever. I think she feels bad about inconveniencing anyone. She has a lot of shame about she has an outburst or whatever. She cares about other people's feelings more than she cares about how that's what I kind of get the sense of. And then Clinton like Oh, yeah, because she called Betty, like, at her home. Right. That's what she... She felt really bad about that. Yeah. Well, the scene where she calls Linda from the payphone and is, like, so distraught. Yeah. That's right after the interaction with Betty in the office. Because she just wanted to see him again about a job. I mean, that's her whole cover story anytime she wants to see him. But she does really want to (laughs) work in the White House. Yeah, that whole phone call... Where she's like, you won't even see me for a fucking minute. And I spend every day thinking about him. You won't even see me for two fucking minutes. And I spend every minute of every day thinking about him. It's like, it's like a bad song that I can't get out of my head. And I... I don't want to be here. That's some teenage stuff, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I guess that's what the whole episode is alluding to is in Bye Bye Birdie, it's a bunch of teenagers talking about frivolous teenager emotions. Right. So there's definitely an allusion there to to how much frivolous emotions were involved in this thing that became political. And it is even funny how at first Linda's like, they're having an affair, and everyone's like, Bill Clinton's having an affair? Oh no. Literally everyone she tells it to is like, yeah, I know. (laughs) And then she has to make it a bigger deal. Like, Linda goes out of her way to make it something. But I also do feel, I mean, like, her motivations are all fucked up, but it is something, like... And that's true, yeah. It really is true that Paula Jones had a lawsuit against him, and his claim was, I don't act inappropriately around other women, I'm a a southern married man, you know? Yeah. Like, it was relevant. I mean, not just her, but, like, a lot of people sort of do a right thing for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I do like that moment when she brings it up as an abuse of power. I don't work for the National Enquirer. I'm a serious reporter. I report on abuses of power. This is an abuse of power. Linda, there's no question that his behavior is disgusting. It's Bill Clinton, no shit. But you said it yourself, it's not sexual harassment. That does feel like the first time anyone ever said, like, the president having an affair is abuse of power, no matter who it is. Right. (laughs) It's like her indignation is fake, but it's justified. The whole thing is sick. You should hear her talk about him. It's excruciating. She's in so much pain over this pig. The poor thing. He acts like he's some great defender of women. Mr. Feminist, Mr. Women's Rights. He's a hypocrite. He's lied to her and led her on, and now she is... She must be losing her mind. She is. She's losing her mind. I need to come forward. You want to do a book? It's the best thing for everyone. 
I couldn't agree more. She's a 21 year old girl. It's like, yeah, that's what Yeah, I know. I hate it when I agree with you, Linda. Right. Which, it's like, I'm not even really agreeing with her because she doesn't really feel like that, you know? I don't think she even, like, really feels like he's bad. I feel like she thinks Monica's, like, being very silly about this. Yeah. Oh, no, I also really noticed how. There's a lot of people making moral statements and then immediately going back on them. Like, um, what's the Isakov? Is like, I don't want to listen to this tape. Taping without consent violates my journalistic integrity. I'm trying to see him tomorrow, but he thinks he'll be around after the No, stop. <laughs> what's wrong? I can't listen to this. Taping without consent violates my journalistic principles. Oh, for God's sake. Why don't you tell me what's on the tape and I can see if it's worth listening to. But just no, wait, just what's tell me what's on, on him. <laughs> It's like my integrity only extends if there's, until there's something Until there's juicy. a story, yeah. Also, like, the, the sleepover mm-hmm. scene where Monica's telling the stories about her camp counselor when she was 14. Her exes are all predators, basically. Yeah, all predators. yeah, She's known some bad guys. Jesus. Yeah, her drama teacher had sex with mm-hmm. students and... He, like, encouraged her to go to Portland for college, and she did, and then he moved there with his wife. (laughs) His family. He apparently had, like, a wife and kid. And he had to leave, she said, because he'd had sex with too many of the students. I did anything that he wanted. When it was time to start looking in colleges, he told me to check out Portland. So I chose a school in Portland. And then... A year later, when he had to leave LA because he had fucked one too many students, guess where he moved his family? No. I'd been really happy there. I loved my college, and I was even dating a little, and then there was Andy. Back at the center of my universe. I mean, it was like without him, I was nothing. I know. And he told her to make friends with his wife so it wouldn't be awkward for her to be around. It's like... How I know it's so gross. This guy, yeah, and before Bill, that was like her no significant relationship, right? Oh, poor Monica. Other than the camp counselor who sexually assaulted her. Like I don't really count that because I said because it was rape. I guess technically I lost it to a camp counselor when I was fourteen, but I guess it doesn't count because I said no and he pulled out. Monica, what? I technically lost my virginity when I was raped, but I don't count that. Oh my god, Monica. I'm so sorry. Right. And then that scene with Vernon Jordan. Take care of yourself, Monica. Oh, yeah, he slaps her butt. (laughs) Yeah, apparently that really happened. Okay. And he's like an old Clinton crony, too. They knew each other from way back. Yeah, you see, like, all of the people that he brought into the fold, like, when he got elected. All his close people in D.C. in these positions. And he totally knows why she's there, too. Because he says... It's not often the president calls me directly about a staffer's job search. Well, you know the president. He can be so generous and kind. Hmm. And Monica's like, you know the president? And he's like, yep. right. I get it. There are people I work with and our job is being popular and shit. Ugh. Should we do meaningful passages? Because I have a bunch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Moby Dick, if you know what I mean. I did really laugh when Linda's like, don't be such a narcissist. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> God, right? And I'm worried about you because you're a political queen and you could lose your job for this. Yeah. And then I'll write a tell-all book. See how they like that. 
What does that mean? Don't be such a narcissist. It'll be about me, not you. I know, she's the biggest narcissist. <laughs> One of history's biggest narcissists. Well, it also it's like, oh, you're being a narcissist by accurately guessing this thing. You know, yeah. like, is it about me? No, not about you, narcissist. It's about me and you. Right. <laughs> Mostly you. I love how she says her name. It's just like, Monica. 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 <laughs> I wrote down, I don't usually hug other men. If you see him, will you give him a hug for me? usually hug other men. Well, Monica's yeah. like diverted. That's just such an amazing line that like <laughs> probably he really said that just speaks volumes about it. I like when uh, Betty gives the gifts. Her, like, <laughs> she's like, everything he gets me is so ugly. Yeah, and was Betty's really like, I'll just say one word. Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I felt this line deeply when she says, I don't think we're ever going to hang out in New York. When I leave here, I'll never see you again. Oh, come on now. It's not true. Please. It isn't. Really? I'm going to spend a lot of time in New York after I'm done here. I don't think we're ever going to hang out in New York. Yeah. That was like, whoa! But that's just so interesting about Monica in this episode. Is I guess her saying she was outside herself is sort of a metaphor for how she behaves the rest of this episode. There's something wrong with me, Linda. I went over there. I went out of my mind. I... I was watching myself do the thing that I promised myself I wouldn't do. Monica. And I can't even get it through my fucking skull. And he doesn't. Like, she totally gets it. He doesn't want anything to do with me. He's trying to blow me off. But, like, I still want to be with him. <laughs> she can't really reconcile those two things with herself. It really emphasizes her youth. And, like, Everything that Linda's saying but doesn't mean about how she is such a child who's being manipulated. And then that history thing is just so brutal because it is like that's just par for the course for her. Oh my god. Meaningful passage, not that I liked it, but was Bill saying, I thought you were a good girl. She called me in tears. She was devastated. I thought you were a good girl. Are you kidding? I've been good. I've driven myself crazy trying to be good. You were the one that promised me that Bob Nash would take care of my job, and he didn't. And then Marsha, you said would take care of it, and now all she said is lie and be a bitch to me. Damn it, Monica, you swore you wouldn't cause trouble. You know, if I'd known this is who you were, I never would have gotten involved with you. Fuck you. You promised me I could come back to the White House. Oh, for God's sake, all I think about is you and your job. I'm obsessed with it. My whole life has become about finding you a job. Ew. Oh, I hate you. <sighs> that is such a thing such a, a guy like that would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just love how she's like, I got you a mixtape. I guess mixtapes were still sold. Any news on the job front? Uh, no, but I just got back from the mall and I bought you a mixtape to kickstart your workout plan. I think you'll like it because it's songs for your generation. What songs? Critic of the Grapevine. Stop in the name of love. Okay. Do you like any of those songs? No, Monica, I don't. I don't like any of those songs. Like, <laughs> I don't like it. And then they talk about like, oh, if you can get off the banana milk, next week is beets or something. And she's like, yes. I don't do beets. I am so hungry. 
great. I could die. Tomorrow is bananas and milk, right? Uh, yes. Oh, if you can get by banana milk day, boy, have you got this thing licked. <laughs> then isn't it two straight days of beets? Oh, I'm off beets. I won't do beets. What diets are yeah, those? I know. It's bananas and milk day. And Linda Tripp's daughter, like when the phone rang, she's like, it's fucking Monica again. It's Language analysis. <laughs> They're talking about all the women that I guess he's had affairs with, and she's like, Streisand. Who do you think he's seeing? Uh, Debbie the stewardess. And of course, there's Streisand. She gets prettier as she gets older. I don't think so. And Monica's like, I don't think so. <laughs> it's just kind of like a jealousy, like, it was just funny to me. Well, I think all those lines are real. Like, those are all just from the recorded conversation. <laughs> I guess I never thought about whether they had an affair or not. I remember seeing all these photos, like, of Barbara Streisand. Like, she loved Clinton. Oh. always photoed, like, hugging him and stuff. I guess I just never thought maybe they had an affair, but I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I wrote, I wish crying burned calories. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine. I just got off the treadmill. I wish crying for calories. I know that made me laugh too because I was just like, oh god, that's so awful. Oh, but know. it's like, you know, like it's just like a knee jerk. It's like that's the thing. How is that's just like never not on your mind. I just you speaks know? volumes exactly, yeah, and like right. I'm so depressed, but I still. Have you the guy <laughs> like if only I could make myself sob uncontrollably, then I would. Burn all these calories. Well, it doesn't be great, work. right? It's like I'm already stopping uncontrollably. Right. I wish that I this wish did it made something. Me thinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of like how I wish cookies were like a salad. Yeah, I wrote down when was the last time you were together, Linda? You know this. Right. That's not always I a thing. Like but right. I think that really happened too. Like Linda tried to be slick. Like, right. So tell me again the entire history of your relationship, and then. <laughs> Even though she knows Linda knows, she still goes over it because she can't help herself. A really meaningful line, Monica, said, I guess maybe it put something in my head. This is all I deserve. What can I say? It was my most significant relationship. Till Bill. I guess maybe it, it put something in my head, like, this is all I deserve. She has so much teenager and love energy in this episode. Yeah, and it seems like most of her relationships with men, she's really been screwed over and abused. Yeah. Oh, there was another line that I thought really motivated Linda a lot, which is... I think it was Lucian who said, Linda's like, I have all this evidence. I have spreadsheets. <laughs> and Lucian says, Linda, you're not enough. Of course you need proof. I have it. I take notes, dates, times. I made an Excel spreadsheet documenting every sexual encounter. Linda, you are not enough. You need real evidence. Wow. <laughs> I feel like she knows exactly what right. Linda needs to hear. <laughs> yeah. You are not she enough. Play, she can really play Linda. Oh yeah. my god. And then Lucienne has a drawer full of tapes too. She's like, you should just tape calls. I do it all the time. It's definitely not illegal. That varies state to state, I think, right? Because I know yeah. there's some states that it's like both parties have to consent to recording. <laughs> I actually did have a hard relate moment though when Linda finds the burned popcorn and the chips and the mess everywhere and she just says, what is this? <laughs> what is this? 
I totally get that. <laughs> it's kind of amazing how a child can make a oh, huge God. mess and then just walk away from it. I like those scenes of seeing her come home to her teenagers having a little get-together with their friends. It's like Gatorade and chips. And, <laughs> you know, like very 90s teenagers. Yeah, there's so much Gatorade. I know! Like, <laughs> oh, that song, Return of... Oh, Return of the Mac. I wrote that down. I'm playing. I'm like, oh my god, I remember that. That's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> great song. Oh my god, I wrote, what's that name? Marsha. That was that Sliz that Monica meets with <laughs> at the very beginning. I wrote her line, he who. Okay, um, because it's been almost a year since I was told I'd be back here. And who told you that? He did. He who? I know! Oh. To make it so hard. <laughs> You're a horrible person, Marcia. I yeah, don't like she's you. Really getting off on her, like her yeah. position. She wants to see if people scorn. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. Well, are you ready for lunchtime poll? Oh, yeah. So, this is what's called a lunchtime poll. Today's lunchtime poll is talk about a time you were betrayed by a friend. Hosed by a friend. Hosed by a friend. Yeah, Linda Tripp. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's not as bad as Linda Tripp. Or it doesn't have the repercussions like that. Yeah, right. God, that's so bad. So I told you about the time I became an international scandal. <laughs> <laughs> it was haunted for the rest of my life. Um, I will start. Okay. I've been waiting to tell this story. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if anyone knows, but I got divorced in the last couple of years, and boop, boop. what? <laughs> I'm trying to be careful about how much I can say, but this yeah. is a fact. All of this is just stuff that happened. Anyway, so my divorce went to arbitration. Basically, it was just over a house and trying to establish uh, who paid for the house, where the money for the house came from. And before arbitration, like we both had to submit a list of potential witnesses. And I mean, mine were just, there were just a couple of like financial experts and my dad because he gave me a gift of money once that was relevant. And my ex-husband had three different lists that were like 40 people on and it was all acquaintances, the lady who cuts his hair, you know, I mean, some people that I knew pretty well but it was just like what does any of this have to do with the issue at hand which is the providence of the house but anyway so I thought that none of them were going to end up testifying because it wasn't relevant and then the day of arbitration a couple of his people testified and then it was like okay your next witness is and let's call her Shelly Finn. My lawyer and I were in the same building, but not in the same room. So my lawyer texted me like, who is this person? And I was like, she's a friend from way back. Like, so she has kids the same age as my older one, Logan. And we originally know each other from when our kids were in preschool together. And we were pretty good friends. And so I'm like, wow, I have like no idea what she's going to say. This was all over Zoom, you know, so this was the one time I think in all of this proceeding, you know, because with Zoom, it's like people are looking at a screen and you don't know who they're looking at, you know, and I'm like, I, I wish that we were in the same room and she would have to either look at me or pointedly of what, you know, mm -hmm. like she cannot tell that I am looking at her. And I really want her to know that, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what was funny is when someone's testifying, the first thing is they're basically like, who are you and how do you know these people? And she's like, I'm friends with Amy and Rich. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't seen Amy as much in the last year. And I was like, man, I don't know what she's about to say, but bold of her to act like mm -hmm. we are still friends because right. I don't think we're going to be friends after this. Uh, after <laughs> showing up as a key up. witness right. in this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not like mentioning it to me like, oh, hey. Mm -hmm. I'm going to testify for your husband and your objection, right? 
And the stuff she said was not really very meaningful, like not meaningful to the subject at mm. hand, although uh, she did say that uh, she had been to my house many times and that I never told her it was my separate property. So apparently that's a thing that you're supposed to <laughs> let your guests know, that your house is your separate property. So I have amended that. If anyone ever comes to my house, it is my separate property, and I will let them know it is my separate property. <laughs> <laughs> If you come in here, you're basically signing a waiver that says you acknowledge that this is your separate property. Apparently that's a thing you're supposed to tell people or else it might come up in court that it's not your separate property. So she also did say that because she and I had coffee like right after my ex-husband and I split kind of one of the last pre-pandemic things. And she did testify about that. And the, the lawyer said, like, was there anything strange? She said, well, she seemed like she was happy about getting divorced so that was a little awkward and Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting just how much that comes up that like people feel like it's somehow sus if a divorced woman is happy about it yeah there's a lot of misogyny in divorce court in general I think and in the world in the world too yeah but Anyway, so I will say, like, she did seem, like, pretty uncomfortable. And I assume that I will never hear from her again, which is fine because she is dead to me. So, yeah, it's my hosed by your friend moment. For sure. <laughs> I can go next because mine actually also has to do with the house, which is really okay. funny. But <laughs> I will also use some pseudonyms here because uh, people be litigious and richer than me. <laughs> my mom died three years ago because she had a very treatable breast cancer but she was in a cult and they basically convinced her to pray it away and guess what that doesn't work and so I was kind of helping her die and there was this lady who I'd never met before that showed up one day and was like hi I'm Veronica that's not her real name but we'll just call her that and I was like okay hi and she's like I've always taken your mom to her appointments because she was going to a doctor but basically only to treat the symptoms for the cancer, not the actual cancer itself, because Jesus was going to take care of that. And um, she was very helpful. I'd never met her before. I barely heard about her, which was weird. So I should have really realized that at the time. Big fucking red flag. But she was super helpful, and I lived far away. So I was glad to have this lady help me with stuff with my mom remotely while I couldn't be there, and even while I was there. And in the end, my mom had promised... 10% of her estate to this cult that she was in. And she had a house in another state that she was like, that house will just go to you and you can sell that house and that will be your money. But then 10% of my estate is for the cult. And, uh... She forgot to write that down, so let that be a lesson. <laughs> a house is like a really big piece of property that you need to specifically say is or isn't part of your estate if you're going to be bequeathing part of your estate to a nonprofit or <laughs> <laughs> nonprofit. Yeah, <laughs> I am using my fingers to make quotation marks. Anyway, she neglected to do that, and even though she said to me and in front of Veronica for sure the stuff about the house and. Those motherfuckers were like, nope, we're going to definitely take 10% of everything and you have to. And there were people that lived there too and I wasn't going to evict them until they were ready to move. But they basically made me do that because they're like, you have to sell the house so we can have the money. And I asked Veronica for help and she was like, I'm loyal to this cult. So I don't remember anything of her saying anything that would be helpful in this case. But even if I did, I wouldn't help. And I was like, oh, (laughs) Okay, I guess we weren't friends this whole time. But this was like after my mom died. 
basically the whole time she was helping my mom and pretending to be super nice, she was probably being extra sleazy behind the scenes because she was working for the cult. So fuck you, Veronica. Fuck you. Well, mine is... It wasn't like one specific thing that I got screwed over by, but I did have a friend who, I mean, we weren't like super, we became close like and spent a lot of time. She just had this way of like monopolizing my time. Anytime I would hang out with her, it would be like for a long time. I don't know. We just became close because I was unemployed. I was having a rough time. It's, It's a friend that like wanted me to do like this business with her. And she had really bad credit. I was the only, like, I had the credit card, you know? Mm. I was holding the bag for it all. You know, every time I would say, like, it's time to pay this, I have to pay something, pay this down. It was, like, almost like she would be mad at me (laughs) for, like, wanting to It was really bad. And then, like, I ended up getting a job, and I was so happy to get a job. She was unemployed, and I, like, referred her to come in. And then she ended up becoming my boss for, like, a year and she was not a good boss she would tell other people on the team like these embarrassing stories about oh me my from a long time ago oh, Jesus. Like it's like one of those things where i would i'm like like i can't believe i let somebody be that close to me you know mm-hmm. and i'm just i don't know or maybe like people who, yeah. Situations. <laughs> right. I was just going to say, maybe people shouldn't take advantage of someone when they're in a vulnerable state instead of we should be more careful about who we trust. Right. I mean. <laughs> right. I mean, I know now that I really, I wasn't friends with this person, but like an acquaintance that I thought I could speak candidly in front of. And it was like, oh, guess not. Yeah, it was just shitty. I don't know. I'm glad it's done, but you never assume people will be assholes you know right. or, or at least i don't i it's like you certainly don't want like, to you have to do that <laughs> yeah i don't know it's all learning learning from life i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but yeah so it wasn't one thing it was just a lot of things <laughs> yeah <laughs> bad friends linda trips the linda right. trips of our life linda's be tripping <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.